taking care of your body and just being able to know and understand the importance of rehab and prehab and stretching and icing, I think is the biggest thing that I now as a coach and try to instill in my players, you know, how important it is to do bands and stretch and warm up your knees and warm up your um, hips before playing, because that really helps elevate your game once you're warmed up. And that's something that I didn't really start doing until I played professionally. And that's what really helped me compete at that level after playing how many years. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the HNL Movement Podcast. If this is your first time here, I welcome you. If you are a returning listener, please rate the podcast and leave a helpful review for other people to find it. This year is flying by. I can't believe it's already November, almost Thanksgiving, and we are on episode number 44. I'm truly having a blast interviewing and talking to all of the guests, as well as making the solo episodes to share some of the information and content with all of the listeners. But thank you so much for the support, and it would really mean a lot to hear any feedback and rate and review the podcast. This week, we have an exciting guest, Shauna Santos, who has grown up playing volleyball and really excelled at all of the levels that she played at at St. John's in college and also went on to play professionally in the Philippines. There's so many stories in here, stories about her unique journey, but also how she overcame injuries, bounced back from them, and was able to return back to that high level of performance. But it's beyond volleyball too. She talks about how she played for that passion of how she loves the game. And also that helped her not only on the volleyball court, but also helped her through school and through life. And she's learned many things along her journey. And now she's paying it forward and coaching the younger athletes in volleyball. And it's exciting to hear all of the things that she shares. So without saying any more, let's jump straight into the episode. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, everyone. And I would like to welcome Shauna Santos, who has an interesting story. Thank you so much for joining me, Shauna. Well, thank you for the invite. I appreciate the invitation and really excited to be here. Yeah, so let's start by you have had a long and a very successful volleyball career. But let's start growing up. Let's start with your journey. What led you to volleyball and what was your childhood like? Well, my parents always like to joke that, um, you know, when you're trying to figure out what your kid's good at, you know, you put them in dance and, you know, art or piano or sports. And so for sports, um, they like to joke that they started from A and volleyball just had to be at the end of the alphabet. So I literally tried every single sport out there before like basketball, golf, you know, swimming, gymnastics and everything like that. So um, that's how I initially got into volleyball. But my mom actually played volleyball growing up and she ended up being like a, a pretty decent player. And so they figured, you know, why not? Um, at the time when I was uh, in fourth grade, which is when I initially started playing volleyball, I was really good at basketball. Basketball was my dominant sport. Um, but somewhere in between, you know, growing up and everything, I just switched over to volleyball. I think I started competing competitively in sixth grade. And so um, I was first at Mililani Volleyball Club, and then I ended up being at Jammers. And that's when it really, like, started to take off, and I really, like, fell in love with the sport. Yes. And I think most people in Hawaii, we try all these different sports growing up. Partly is because, you know, we can be outdoors, we can play sports year-round and all of that. If it wasn't for mm-hmm. volleyball, besides, was basketball kind of your runner-up, your next best sport? Oh, definitely. 100%. Yeah. I, was, uh, I was really good on dribbling and shooting. I'm still pretty decent at it, at least shooting-wise. But, you know, volleyball was definitely the one that I just completely, like, filled myself up and just really had a passion for and um, just something that, you know, I knew that it could take me places. So you started to play more competitively, club volleyball. 
Um, where did you play high school volleyball at for the listeners? Okay. Um, I went to Sacred Heart. So um, I was a four-year starter on their varsity team. So was there a time as you started to play more competitively that you realized I can really start to play at the higher levels, especially since you were four years on vars, right? Was there a time that you realized, hey, maybe I can play in college? Um, I would say where I really just completely dedicated myself and knew that I wanted to go to the next level. I would say when I was in seventh or eighth grade, <laughs> I, I really wanted to play at a really young age. Um, at the next level, you know, watching UH with Dave Shoji and just like all of those iconic like players and then watching the, um, the 2008 Olympics, that's where I really wanted to represent Team USA and have the hopes and dreams of playing in the Olympics one day. And that's where um, in eighth grade, I started to try out for the um, Team USA pipeline. And so that's when I first started in that and my journey there. Got it. So how explain that experience too, because a lot of the Hawaii volleyball athletes, they do, you know, camps and go for the US, USA pipeline, volleyball tournaments and teams. So explain how that has kind of de- helped you develop in high school as well. Um, I think, you know, going to the mainland and competing with Team USA, whether it be um, their camp at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs or their high performance championships. Um, just that, you know, two week time period where you get to completely just soak in all of Team USA's like, um, just their strategy and how they do things and how they train doing like two or three days. And, you know, just playing with people that you, you've never met before around the entire country, but sharing that same passion and drive and wanting to compete for Team USA and having that USA on your back just really elevated my game a lot. And, you know, I was coached by a lot of Olympians and a lot of college coaches um, throughout that time period when I was in the USA pipeline. And so I'd say from eighth grade all the way up until I was a freshman in college, I was in the pipeline. And so working my way up from, you know, just holiday camps and going to those training camps um, and not being invited to the top A1 team um, I really worked my, myself up from there. And surprisingly, I actually started as an outside hitter. And that's where they gave me the impression where I should really switch over to a libero. And that ended up being my dominant position. Yes, that's very interesting because most people in Hawaii, they start off as hitters, right? But because Hawaii, <laughs> and you've heard on some of the previous episodes, uh, Kupono mentioned that, you know, Hawaii, we don't have true height and we're usually undersized and everything so then passing becomes your strong suit and kind of explain how that has transitioned or helped you to become a more complete player especially for the younger athletes listening and I know you do a lot of coaching which we'll get to in a second but for the younger athletes how does making your game well-rounded learning how to play various positions how did that help you to make it to the next level and even to a professional level which we'll touch on in a second I believe that be, learning to become a well-rounded player not only sets you off from a lot of other people. Um, of course, we're competing with not just the girls in Hawaii, but we're competing with the entire nation on scholarships or just even teams for Team USA, whatever your endeavors are. You're always competing. And to be able to have that edge really sets you apart from a lot of other people. And it also gives you a lot more knowledge and appreciation for other positions. You know, as a libero, you may never know what the frustration it might be as a setter where you have to run across the court to set up hitters. Or as a hitter, you may never understand the struggles of, you know, what a setter goes through. And, you know, you can go around and say, like, you know, everything that everyone has frustrations on, but it gives you a greater appreciation of, you know, what your teammates do for you. And being a team sport, you really need to have that. And because that's what I believe creates chemistry, showing that appreciation for what everyone else does for you and how what they do makes it a lot easier on you. And that really just elevates everyone else's game and their volleyball IQ. And volleyball IQ is really important because that is what's going to take you further on in your journey. 
Yes, I'm glad that you talked about volleyball IQ because everyone's a student of the game, especially you are. What are some of your biggest strengths as part of your game that you see that has really helped propel your career, especially in volleyball? I believe that watching game footage um, really helps you. Um, not only you see what you're doing wrong and what you need to work on to get better, because of course, when you're playing, you think that you're doing everything you can. You think you're the fastest one on the court. You're hitting the ball. You know, you think you could get every single ball up or whatever the case is. And you look on the film and you are really slow. And that will actually be like a check, like, okay, I'm not who I think I am and what I look like. Okay, let me go back to, you know, the ground up and build up from there. Um, I think that's really important to start doing at a young age. I didn't start doing that until I was in college. And that's where I really started to, um, you know, grow a lot for volleyball IQ. Um, other ways could be watching other games, um, trying to figure out, okay, what are the team's strengths and weaknesses? Who is, you know, the captain on the court? Who can help coordinate and be the quarterback, whether it be for offense or defense? That's something where you're really starting to look into depth about not just the game itself and how it's played, but the strategy behind that. And knowing that strategy will help you in your game as well. And so those are two things that I always um, teach my players because that's going to get them to that next level. I completely agree. You know, understanding and just having IQ in your sport and knowing what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and how to use that to your full capabilities will help your overall performance. Before we get into your college career, so at Sacred Hearts, you were primarily an outside hitter, but I'm assuming that you played a lot of the positions, not only in high school, but through club and through the USA teams too. Mm -hmm. Was there anything in high school that was your favorite position or what you thought you were going to play? <laughs> Um, I think that in high school, at least, um, because Sacred Heart doesn't, at the time, um, it might be a different story nowadays. Um, God, it was such a long time ago, but I was definitely an outside hitter because we didn't have, um, you know, the players as, you know, Kamehameha or Yolani or Punahou or other schools where they have a lot of athletes. And when I was there, we, had, we did have some players that um, did play club volleyball, but majority of the time it was you know, players who didn't compete competitively. And so um, being the one that was very involved and, you know, just totally like in it to win it. Um, I was definitely an outside hitter. Um, but, you know, I, I occasionally played setter just to be able to, um, you know, run the offense um, smoothly. But um, at least in club, um, I started off as a middle when I was 12. And then I went to an outside hitter. And then after an outside hitter, I went to a setter slash opposite, which is the right side. And then um, it wasn't until I was playing with Team USA and um, in college where I started playing libero. So, but my freshman year in college, I was an outside hitter. So a lot of different positions. <laughs> yes, a lot of different positions. And by Hawaii standards, well, let's, let's share with the listeners who don't know you. How tall are you? I'm 5'10". 5'10". So by Hawaii standards, especially in high school volleyball, that is considered pretty tall in Hawaii. Yes. So you, you, you did, you know, have the tools and attributes to compete with all of the bigger schools in Hawaii throughout high school. But I think, like mm -hmm. you said, playing all the different positions, gaining a better understanding, that has really helped you. Now, after mm -hmm. high school... So let's talk a little bit about how did you end up at St. John's and what was that journey like to get recruited and decide what school and college you wanted to play at and making that transition from high school to, you know, division one collegiate setting. Let's start with the, the recruiting journey. How did that play out? Well, it's, it's definitely a very interesting story. And um, my coach, coach Jojo, I think it's her, I want to say it's her favorite, but who knows? It's definitely her top five recruiting stories ever. Um, but to, to start from the beginning, so I started really looking when I was a freshman in um, high school. Um, that's when, you know, you start getting those letters um, from all different types of schools. 
And probably my most, you know, most achievable one was definitely from Stanford. Pretty sure I still have that one. <laughs> that was the only one I ever got. But um, I started getting letters then. And that's when I really started, okay, what is going to be, you know, my top five schools? Um, and working with my dad and, you know, this is definitely a new area for us because he's never been, you know, I'm his firstborn. So he's never done anything like this. So this was a completely different area for both of us. And it was a definitely a, a really different journey. But, you know, going to college camps, um, speaking to college coaches, or at least he was at these tournaments in the mainland. And being in Hawaii, you know, we definitely have a disadvantage because we don't get to do those tournaments all the time. You know, college coaches aren't flying out to Hawaii, um, you know, every single tournament that we have. So when we go to the mainland, we really have to show everything we got and showcase our talent um, and really separate ourselves from the, you know, the entire, you know, the U.S. And so when that initially started happening, you know, we were doing those camps. So my main school, uh, my dream school was UCI, which was University of California, Irvine. And my first team USA um, team Paula was the head coach at um, UCI, and I was also coached by um, Ben. Unfortunately, they're not there anymore, but that's where I really fell in love with their coaching and who they are and really just, like, loved to play for them. And that's why I really wanted to go to UCI. Um, but unfortunately, things didn't work out my sophomore year because they didn't have any scholarships available for out-of-state kids. And so the search continued. Um, I was looking at Utah and Texas Tech and Washington and, you know, a bunch of other different schools. And St. John's was nowhere near my radar. Um, and, you know, we were talking to them and it came to my junior year where I was still unsigned. And, um, you know, one day um, we had our combine. And this is when the combine first started happening, too. Um, and they were actually doing clinics where the college coaches would go and like do these clinics with these younger girls who, of course, weren't thinking about college yet. And my sister, who's five years younger than me, um, was actually at this clinic. And I just, it's really funny, but I just got my nails done and my hair done because I was going to prom that night, my junior prom. And I was just sitting in the bleachers, like sitting like a boy with my, you know, just like leaning over on my like this on my legs and just on my phone and watching and my coach coach Jojo goes who's that girl in the stands what's her name and um I think she was speaking to coach Deb and she's like oh that's Shauna Le Santos and she's like is she signed is she gonna be there tomorrow at the combine and he, she's just like no like she's not in the combine and mind you this is the only combine that I did um in Hawaii and she asked if I could be there. And so they came up to my dad and told me like, hey, you know, can Shauna go to the combine tomorrow? Um, and I'm not too sure if we paid for the combine. I just showed up and was like, okay, eight hours of volleyball, let's go. <laughs> and I just had fun. I played every single position. I just, you know, I was just doing myself and doing what I do and just had fun with all these girls. And at the end of the combine, I was talking to the UCI coach who was there. And after Jojo approached me and my dad was like, you know, I think you're a great player. Um, I see that you're really good. I want to offer you a full ride scholarship to St. John's University. And me and my dad were just like, what? What's going on right now? And the UCI coach did not like that whatsoever. And so after doing further research about St. John's, you know, we were just like, okay, you know, this is a really good school. Didn't think anything about it. You know, didn't even know what the Big East was. Didn't know it was in New York. Had no idea what kind of academics there are. Had no idea what the team history is. And so we just were like, okay, let's, you know, let's go visit. And so that summer going into my senior in high school, we did an unofficial tour where um, Jojo showed us around, she actually took us on her boat, showed us the campus, you know, just showed, us, showed me all the different departments that they have um, at the school and what they offer. 
showed me, um, you know, the court and the weight room and everything like that. And I was like, okay, you know, this looks, this looks really good. And so after talking with my dad, we decided, you know, um, St. John's is, is going to be a good fit for me. And, you know, I could definitely grow here and just learn a complete different culture. And it's such a different area from, you know, in Hawaii where it's very slow and slow paced and the people are laid back and going to New York is a complete different, like opposite of Hawaii. And I knew that I wanted to get off the island and kind of far as way as possible. And that definitely achieved that. And the five things that I always tell girls when you're looking at schools is um, academics. If it has any of the interests that people have, you know, whatever department it is, how are the athletics? You know, what is their history like? How are the girls? How long has the coach been there? The third thing is, you know, is it in a place where you can live? Do you want to be in a place where it has all four seasons or do you want to be in a place that's where it's warm majority of the time or do you want to be in the out of middle of nowhere or do you want to be in the city the fourth thing is um you know trying to figure out if this is a place where you can you know really just grow as a person on and off the court you know um and the fifth thing is food Food definitely plays a big role into it at least in my opinion in New York you have all this different food and I was just, I was about it. So St. Johnson would be my final choice that I committed um, my senior year. That's an awesome, interesting story. <laughs> I mean, how things yeah. just kind of unravel and fall into and fall into place. You know, you were at the right place at the right time. And, you know, you got mm-hmm. to show them what your, your skill set and what your volleyball is like. And then everything just kind of uh, on unwound from there and then you ended up going to St. John's now on that note so you kind of mentioned that you were very far away from home right and the culture everything the pace everything is new and different how was that transition off the court but also with volleyball was there a transition was it difficult for you to go from you know uh, high school volleyball to now big east division one collegiate volleyball what was that transition like and also any transition just in life moving across the country? I think the biggest thing that really helped me was playing for Team USA for every single summer for those two weeks where, you know, you played with people that you didn't know. And that's what happens every season. You play with people for a different team every single time. And that being away from home and just, you know, non-sub volleyball, it's pretty equivalent to like what, um, you know, hell week in preseason is where you have three days, you train, you practice, you do weightlifting. And um, at least in club, when I was playing for Emi Ike, which the coaches for UH was actually my coaches for club. Um, we got to work out at the UH um, weightlifting center. And so that's what really helped me with my transition to college Um, And unfortunately, that doesn't happen for everyone. And I just ended up being lucky because I was already being trained by college coaches um, for club and for Team USA. And I was already doing weightlifting with a UH coach. So that's what helped me transition really, really well. Um, But the biggest thing that I had to learn was time management and knowing what my responsibilities are and how to identify what important and one needs to happen and that is what my freshman year where I a little little um little bit struggled because I didn't know how to do that and Sacred Heart is a college prep um school but because I didn't I wasn't really athletically involved as much as it would would I be with club and for team USA that's where I had to um, figure out, okay, what are my academic schedule like and how can I put that in with my athletics and still compete at a really high level when where I want to be and still do really good in school. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I had to, you know, it really helped because the schools that I went to, they had a freshman, um, freshman schedule, I guess you can say, where, you know, they broke up everything by time. Okay, this is when you're going to have lifts. This is when you're going to go to school. This is your study hall. This is your practice. This is where we have film. This is where you have, you know, we're going to do your homework. And then 
we have that seven days a week. And so that's what really helps me try and figure out, okay, what am I good at? And what am I not good at? And I was not good at studying. <laughs> so I had to get really good at studying. And time management definitely helped me with that. And that's something that I always tell my players is when you're going to college, you really have to manage your time a lot because it's very easy to get you know, lazy and relaxed and not have to worry about school because you don't have your parents there, you're on your own. And so that is like the biggest thing I could say um, is to manage your time very properly. That's a great message. And I, I know a lot of athletes that are student athletes, they struggle with that time management because now athletics becomes such a big part, so time consuming. And also college, you know, that that's going to be a lot more time involved typically than what you've previously been used to. So that's, you know, time management is something that I think everyone can learn how to time manage better, especially when they're a student athlete. Now, along those lines, so I'm glad that the transition on the volleyball court, that was smoother. Now think about your St. John's career. So if you can briefly give us how that, your storied career at St. John's and all of the memories. And let's just start with maybe what are some of the, the best memories with volleyball when during your time at St. John's? Oh gosh, there's just so many to choose from. Um, I don't know, it's just my journey itself where I started off as a outside hitter and um, my sophomore year, I was a libero. My junior year, I was starting off as a libero, but ended up as a setter. And then my senior year, I was a setter. And so that journey in itself was really difficult because, and it was also exciting. You know, it, caught, it, it always had me on the edge of my seat and on my toes because I would go into a game, wear a libero jersey, come, different from everyone else, second set okay, Shauna, you're going to go set, change your jersey. Okay, change my jersey. Next set. Okay, we need help with libero. Change your jersey again. Like, okay. So that's where being a well-rounded player and having that mental toughness to be able to change, okay, what is my role? And, and the quote that my coach Jojo um, always likes to use is changing your different hats. You know, you have your captain hat, you have your libero hat, you have your setter hat, you have your hitter hat. And that's where I had to get really good at. And so to be able to be mentally tough and to be able to be like, okay, change on a whim. Okay, libero, setter, libero, setter, hitter. Okay, libero, setter. That's what really helped me in just understanding the game at a college level because it's not the same as what it was with, you know, when I competed with Team USA and for high school. At least memories-wise, it's like, you know, just all the fun times on the bus or on the plane and just at the airport, you know, everyone's staring at you because you're like, for us, our, our colors are red. So you're just wearing like head to toe red clothes and you have your bags, um, you know, the numerous wins that we've had. But I'd say just the times off the court are always the ones that are most memorable because there are just so many wins that you have in your career whether you go all the way to college or professionally but I mean if I had to pick one it would definitely be my senior senior year weekend where we competed against um, Marquette who when the Big East changed because it was the old Big East my freshman year and sophomore year to senior year it was the new Big East so we had Marquette, Butler, Xavier and uh, Providence and so when Marquette entered the league, we never, we weren't able to beat them. You know, the most that we could do is four sets, but that senior weekend, and I was a setter at this time, I started off as a libero for senior night, but that ended up changing to me being a setter. And so we ended up going to a five set and we won. And so I think that itself was, you know, just an amazing moment to be able to be like, oh, we finally did it. After three years, we finally beat them. And then having to go the next day and play against DePaul, which is one of our rivals, besides Seton Hall, which is in New Jersey. And DePaul is in Chicago. And I, I have had previous uh, negative experiences playing against DePaul throughout my career in college. And so we also went to a five set match and we ended up winning. And so 
that week in itself was exhausting, had so many ups and so many downs, but it was, ha- it's, you know, happy to say that we ended up on top for that, the last home game. I'm sure those are memories that you'll never forget. I mean, it's probably just like yesterday, <laughs> knowing what it feels like to, you know, come up with the win against two, mm-hmm. two schools that, you know, you really want to compete with. So that, those are the memories mm-hmm. that I think all the listeners and everyone yeah. can relate to and loves to hear. And mm-hmm. I won't really ask right now because we're, we are going to go into your injuries in a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. So I know that was one of the big obstacles that you had to overcome during your college career. But before we get mm-hmm. into the injuries, how did you transition? And what was the story from graduating at St. John's and now you were going to play professionally, right? What mm-hmm. was that like and how did that come to fruition? Well, I always wanted to play professionally at a very young age. And that's something that I wanted to do once I, um, you know, once I was finishing my years in college. But after my first ACL injury, which happened my junior year, um, and then um, I ended up breaking my pinky as well my senior year. And so um, from there, I thought that that dream was dead. And that I, w- I wouldn't be able to, like, you know, I thought, what kind of team would want to take me who's had an ACL surgery and broke her pinky, you know, that I feel like that's a liability and I would feel that I'm a liability. And so I kind of put that dream um, in a box and just put it in the back of the closet and was like, okay, I'm never touching this box again. And um, on Facebook, and I was, I was actually working my dream job at Madison Square Garden. And I got a message on Facebook saying, um, you know, they would like to invite me to go um, compete at this tryout in Europe. And, you know, I was like, you know, I I haven't been thinking about playing professional sport for six months. And I was just like, you know, like, why not? You know, I'm young, like I can still play, like I'm still fit, like, you know, why not? And I was just playing at like open gyms in New York at the time that I ended up finding. And so I went to Slovenia and this was my first time to Europe. So I flew to Paris and flew to Slovenia and I was by myself, um, you know, had a few bags with me and just took a chance and took a leap of faith. And I competed at this child and I, I believe it was three or four days. And this is all like a virtual too. So the coaches didn't come to the gym. They just watch on these screens and it would be live. And so I did that. And, you know, I had a lot of fun. I met a lot of different people um, from everywhere. It wasn't just the U.S. And we had some from Canada. We had some from other countries. And so, um, you know, I got to learn a little bit about European culture and uh, you know, just traveling around there. And unfortunately, well, first I was offered to play in Germany and the deal that was offered, I didn't think it was good enough, I guess you can say. Like I thought my value was much higher than that. And so it was either I I had 10 minutes to make this decision. So I got called over and was like, okay, Shauna, this team in Germany wants you. What are you going to do? And I was just like, you know, I was like, I was just in the middle of playing like just a few seconds ago. And now I have an opportunity to play in Germany. And I was like, I don't know, like, how long do I have to make this decision? He's like, well, you have like 10 minutes. And I was like, okay, well, I was like, can I go like to the bathroom and think about this? And he's like, yeah, go right ahead. So I thought about it. I called my dad really quick, told him what happened. And we did really quick research on our phones, like Googling Germany, what kind of life is it in Germany? How, you know, how much, what's the equivalency from what they were going to give me in USD to, you know, whatever monetary value it is in Germany. And we decided, you know, we took the chance of not doing it. And so I went back to him and told him, you know, I think I'm going to wait for the next offer and come to the end of the tryout. And I didn't get another offer. And that offer went to another girl. And so I couldn't take that back. And so I went back to the States with a bunch of memories. And, you know, it's like, okay, playing a professional sport is not in the cards for me. You know, that's something I'm not going to do. 
and I went back to my New York life and my dad called me one day and was like, what do you think about playing in the Philippines? And I was like, what do you mean the Philippines? Like they have a, they have a professional league in the Philippines. He's like, yeah. And he sent me a bunch of YouTube videos about it and the PSL and was like, I think that you do really well here and you can play there year round and they have an import league. And so we just started doing research and I was like, I was already defeated at, at that point. And I was like, you know what, dad, if, if you think I could do this, like you can be my agent, go ahead and contact the league and do whatever you want to do. And just let me know how that happens. I'm just going to focus on working. And so I think it was roughly two weeks later, there was emails going back and forth from him and the league. And he sent out, um, he sent out my bio. He asked me to put a reel together and my reel is very bad. <laughs> so if you ever Google me on YouTube or anything like that, you're going to see my highlight reel and it's like an hour long because I, I didn't do it really good. Um, and so I sent it to them. And within that two weeks, um, he was like, he called me and was like, you know, they want you. I got a team that wants to, you know, sign you. I was like, oh, awesome. Like, how long do I have to like be able to get there? And like, well, it's training starts in like three weeks. And I was like, what? So I had to make a decision and was like, do I go and play a professional sport and like achieve my dream? Or do I stay in New York and basically like do my dream job? And so I obviously made the decision to go play <laughs> because I was like, you know, I'm still young. I'm never going to be have this opportunity again. And, you know, who knows what kind of doors that will open for me. And so in that two week period, I packed up my entire life in my little apartment that I've lived for like three years. And I moved back home and then I went to the Philippines the next day. <laughs> so that's how, that was my journey of how I ended up being a professional athlete. Yes. And I think a lot of, from what I understand, even a lot of the volleyball players that play collegiately, the transition into professional sports is all new because it's not as mainstream, I think, as the other sports. So it's interesting mm -hmm. how your dad got connected with all of these teams and how yeah. you're playing in that league. Now to give a little history and backstory for the listeners. So what was your major and what was your job at Madison Square Garden? So my major was communication arts and I had a double minor in business and film studies. And I initially wanted to go into TV and film because I wanted to do the production aspect. My dream job um, was to be an animator for like Disney or Pixar because I'm just I'm so in love with all the animation with Disney and Pixar like the entertainment that they provide and I took one class on it and I lasted less than a week and I had to drop it so I knew that dream was not going to happen and um, I wanted to do TV and film but because I was an athlete I couldn't major in that and that's what a lot of athletes I feel like sometimes have a problem with because the thing that they want to major in they can't do because they also have to be an athlete and so I compromised with my um, advisor and agreed okay I'm going to do communications I'm still going to get the you know education on what I want to learn in production and behind the scenes whether it be for tv and film um, and I'll just minor in it and I knew that that's, you know, that's the best way for me. Business ended up being um, my minor because I think coming into my junior year, I only needed to take two more classes and I would have qualified. So that's why I got business on there. But um, so I got to do and learn all aspects of communication, what I think would really help. And my junior and senior year, I really focused on sports broadcasting. And so I ended up doing um, an on-campus internship with our broadcasting um, team who, who does all the sports teams. So baseball, um, lacrosse, softball, basketball is what I helped with when I did it. And that's where I was like, okay, like I am an athlete. I could just be, a, be around sports all day and just watch sports all day. And you know, that's something that I had a passion about and something that I found out that I was really good at. So I was like, okay, this is something I'm going to focus on. 
And after my senior year playing, not having any experience as well, um, that's when I started applying for internships outside of the campus. And we had a few connections with MSG and I applied and um, I didn't get the one where I wanted it. It was on the production side um, and it was actually in the media library. And so I was like, you know what, this is my chance to be able just to get my foot in the door and see what opportunities it can go from there. And I was in the, the little library where all the tapes from all the Madison Square Garden games were ever like played. It's, and it's actual tapes. It's not even like, like anything digital. And so, but I got to work with producers and directors and, you know, putting clips together for them for whatever it's for pregame, postgame, um, their shows that they had. And I still got to work with them closely. And that's something that I really appreciated. And that's why I ended up, after two internships, I ended up getting a full-time job being a production assistant. And that's when, um, that's when I also went to go try out in Slovenia. And so I did all those things and I worked my way up and I was, I worked hard and, um, you know, I found a different path. So, but yeah. And that's what made the decision so difficult to seeing, okay, what do I do next? So when the Philippines, uh, the, the league in the Philippines came along and they made you the offer, was it something that the offer made it easier to uh, transition and decide like, I need to accept this? Um, Was it comparable? I'm not sure how all the leagues work around the world, but was it comparable to what you got offered with the team in Germany? Or how did that factor into the decision? Um, It definitely was a lot more, at least in USD. Um, And luckily, the deal that I was offered, I was offered a salary, and then I was also offered a um, an allowance, if you will. Um, and that was monthly. So I, it was nice because I never got to touch my salary. I just had my allowance to spend. And that's something that a lot of offers, at least from when I speak to my friends who play overseas, they don't have an allowance. And so that's something that I really appreciated um, because then I could be saving, but also I wouldn't be able to, you know, touch anything that I didn't want to. And of course, they, you know, they would take care of my transportation and housing. So that's something I never had to worry about. In Germany, I would probably have to get a part-time job. And so that's, that's what really set it off where it's like, okay, this is very desirable. And then looking into it where, you know, not knowing anything about the Philippines and um, even though it's my, um, it's my culture, like I'm part, I'm half Filipino and my, my mom um, is actually from the Philippines and her entire family is also from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, knowing that I have some family there, but not really knowing anything about the Philippines, um, I had to do research, of course. And so finding out it's a third world country, but there's actually a lot of development and there's places that are really nice and where I'd be living is in a really nice area in the middle of Manila and how they have a metro system and how they have malls everywhere. You know, it's like, okay, like, I think this, this could work, you know, why not? you know, I think this would be a great journey for me and a lesson in life where, you know, living in a third world country and just like appreciating what I have would definitely be a great journey in itself for me and, and for me to grow. Yes. And so we decided, okay, let's, let's do it. Why not? And I played my first season and it was very much a culture shock. (laughs) I could not, I did not know there was that many people in one small area. Um, But also the people being so friendly and how, in my opinion, they loved Americans. You know, a lot of Americans actually go there. Um, I had no idea that was the case. Um, Majority of people spoke English and their English was actually really good. And how they had all different types of foods like I think there's this restaurant there where I think they have one of the best pizzas I've ever had. <laughs> so it's it's just a crazy experience in itself and how my first season ended up being the import season. And I got to go with two Americans to our imports and one of them ended up till this day is still I consider one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And so 
still being able to do what I love to do and, you know, have that journey, but do it with people that, you know, you create lifelong relationships with, um, whether it be, you know, in the Philippines um, and their locals or just a completely different country, I think is what brings or what the sport does. You know, it brings people together that share that passion and that's something that I've experienced with because that's what happened when I played with Team USA. And so that's just, that's why I love the sport. Athletics definitely brings a lot of people together from all different backgrounds, experiences. And I'm glad that you got to experience, you know, your professional career in the Philippines um, because mm-hmm. like you said, there's a lot of growth and life lessons that you, you've learned. Now on that note, with life lessons, we have to, talk about even though you might not want to remember all of the hard times we have to talk about the injuries that you you overcame successfully so let's start with the two significant injuries are your acl you had acl reconstructions on both your left and your right knees so if you could briefly explain how that happened um, what the process was like and then for the second acl your left knee that's where you rehabbed with us at Pro, and we got to really kind of get you back to everything that you love to do, coaching and playing volleyball and all of that. So let's go into how did your ACL injuries happen and what was that experience like? Well, when I when I look back on it, um, because I have footage of when I tore both my ACLs, it looks like I didn't do anything. It looks like I just fell. And that's where a lot of people have the misconception where, you know, a, something dramatic needs to happen to be able to tear your ACL. For my first one that happened my junior year, it was at Xavier. We were in the third set. And mind you, this game was really crazy already. Lots of taunting from the other team and just a lot of heckling as well. Um, so it was already a heated game. All I remember is before the incident happened, I was going, I was transitioning to defense and the ball went off the block and I was going to my right still. And the ball went off the block and I tried to change directions to go forward. And that's where I just heard up and I just fell down and I just felt this excruciating pain in my knee and I didn't understand why. And after a week or so, um, we eventually got the MRI. Um, and I didn't really think anything of it because this is my first injury ever. I've never, you know, really sprained anything. I never did anything to my ankles. I never, you know, I, I just had to tape something up, but no injuries ever. And so this was a complete different feeling for me. You know, seeing that my knee was completely swollen, how I couldn't walk and everything like that. But after a couple of weeks, it was back to normal. And so when we finally did the MRI, um, they showed it to me and I couldn't read it. And that's when I found out that I tore my ACL um, for the first time. And I was just in complete shock. I was emotional. I was just completely mentally drained because I didn't think anything of it. I was like, this can't happen to me. You know, like I'm healthy. Like there's no reason why. And so... After discussing with the doctors, that's when we kind of figured out why it happened. Because up until that game in college, I played every single game, every single set, every almost every single point, except when the libero has to go out. But other than that, you know, switching from liberos to setter to hitter, I played every single game and every single point. And when, you, when I came home, I competed. I played in tournaments. I, you know, went to the beach and played beach volleyball. Um, I went to open gym. And so I never gave my body rest up until that point. And during that game, I knew that I was tired. And so that's where I knew that I needed to know what my body is capable of and how how important rest is and rehab is. And so after, you know, coming back home, and getting the surgery with Dr. Khan and doing rehab with you. And that's where I met you guys for the first time. Um, that's where I was like, okay, this, this is going to be a different journey for me. And it was very mentally draining, emotionally draining, physically draining. Every type of 
you know, feeling that you could have towards the sport and just feeling completely defeated. You know, I just felt like, how am I going to come back from this? And, you know, I hear you know, people are saying, you know, you're going to come back like Adrian Peterson, how he came back from an ACL injury and he was came back and he was better than what he was. And, you know, having a really big support system really helped me. Um, having my friends and family, my, my family in New York, just really just give me that encouragement that I needed to say, okay, this is what happened, but this isn't the end of you. You know, you still have your, your senior year to compete. And that's what kept me um, have that fire burning inside where it's like, I just got to do one more season. Like I have to do, go out with the bang. And it was until I think a month or two before my preseason where I was finally cleared by the doctors and I was just, I was good to go for preseason. I was like, okay, I'm going to make this senior year my best season because I had this ACL injury and I only had one game last season that I didn't play. And that was the game, the game after I tore my ACL. And so I was like, okay, this is going to happen. This is going to be great. And so in preseason, um, we weren't doing so well. And so we had a late night practice and I went for this one ball because our coach was don't let the ball touch the ground or we're going to do sprints. And so the, the ball dropped. So I went to go die for it and show effort and I broke my pinky. And so it was a devastating, devastating injury. And I think that was the, out of the two ACL injuries, I think breaking my pinky was probably the worst because I just got cleared, I think it was like six weeks ago and from my ACL injury. And I completely broke my pinky right across um, where it almost broke through the skin. And I needed to get two pins here to keep them to heal properly. And so after recovering from my ACL and breaking my pinky, I was out for six weeks in my senior year. Mm-hmm. And so during that time period, I was just, I'd say that was like my darkest hour because I did all of that hard work and put all that effort to get back to my senior year to compete. And that was set back again. And it was just because of a freak accident. And so I was just like, you know, questioning everything. I was like, why am I here? Like, why am I competing? Like, why am I putting my body through this? And you know, I had to take a lot of time to myself to figure out, you know, is this something that I want to continue? Do I want to finish off my senior year? Mm-hmm. And once I hit the four-week mark, my team was doing well, actually. And this is without me. And so I was like, is it even worth going back? Should I even go back? You know, should I just, you know, ride the bench for the rest of my senior year and just leave it like that? And, you know, everyone was just telling me what they should be telling me. And I wasn't listening. But it wasn't until one day where I was just like, I can't go out like this. I want to leave somewhat of a legacy behind saying, like, look at what all I've done since this injury. Um, All the records that I was trying to break, you know, all the honorable mentions I I was getting how I was, you know, the one or two libero in the conference. Like I have, to, I have to do this for myself because if I look back on this and not finish, I knew I was going to regret it. And so after the six week mark, when I was cleared to go, I was like, I'm going to play. And that's when I was shocked to hear that I was going to be a setter for the rest of the season because I broke my pinky. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about this because that's not the setting part that scared me. It was the blocking part. And so I had to learn how to overcome my fear of blocking. And my first game um, that I played in right off the back, um, it was at home and I didn't play the first, I think the first set or so and they weren't doing well. And my coach was like, Jojo just pointed me and was like, let's go. And I wasn't even warm. I was like, okay, like, I'm not going to play this game. This is my first game back. Like, I'm just on the court. And I ended up doing really well. And this is just being a DS, so a defensive specialist. And the next game we played DePaul. 
And I ended up being a setter for that. And so I had to retrain everything and just be mentally strong to be able to compete that, that game. And we ended up winning. So it was just a wild, wild craziness journey with those two injuries itself. And the third one where I tore my ACL, my left one was just, um, I'd say my easiest one because I've already been through it the first time. And when it initially happened, I knew what happened because the same situation happened. I was, we were competing. I was on my third team. The ball went off the block, um, different position on the court. And I just, I was going forward. The ball went off the block and went to the right. And I just tried to push off and I heard the, and I knew, I knew it was, it was my ACL. But um, the journey in that itself, it healed very quickly. It only was swollen for a couple of days. Did the MRI confirmed. And um, from there, it was just, okay, what's the game plan? What are we going to do? And I knew exactly what I need to do to get better. Mm-hmm. And so I was already mentally strong because I've already been through it. Um, and I knew the probability of it happening again. And so I just didn't realize it's going to happen so soon. But, you know, I just, I was like, okay, let's do this. We got the game plan. I already know what I'm going to do. <laughs> let's yeah, get so, back on the court. Yes. Yeah, so that was your other knee though, right? The yeah. second time. And that was when you were playing yeah. overseas in the Philippines. Yeah. Yes. So that's where you came back home. You got the surgery again. And yes, mm-hmm. you knew what the process was. Um, of course, there's slight differences, but you overall know the big picture of what needs to happen, mm-hmm. and how to recover and everything. And I like what you shared. I mean, thanks for sharing all of that to the listeners, because yeah. that's yeah. really the reality of the situation. Everyone deals and copes mm-hmm. with the situation a little differently, but there are no athletes that are completely enthusiastic the whole time, motivated to keep going through the recovery process. Like that's not realistic, you know, even at the professional level. So for you to share some of the the obstacles, you know, and I always say this to my clients and especially on all of the podcasts and content is that injuries are way more than just physical. Like the physical part that is going to get better. And as long as you're doing the right things, you're going to get better and get back to your performance level. But it's all of the other things, the mental, emotional, social component, you know, just having to overcome all of that with the injury process. I think that's where all of the growth happens. So I like your story and how you were able to come back play your senior year. And although, you know, it happened again to your other knee when you were playing professionally, you used a lot of your experiences and growth through that first time to really help to propel you forward with the second process. And I will honestly say you were always ahead of schedule during the second process. (laughs) I had to more pull the reins, pull the reins back and tell you like, okay, we got to slow down a little bit, but it's very good that you use these experiences to make you stronger. Overall, is there anything else that sticks out to you or some main lessons from going through these three injuries that have really helped to shape how you approach volleyball, but also how you approach coaching today? I think the biggest thing that I took away from it is being able to know what your body is capable of and knowing the importance of rest. Because like I said, up until my first injury, I competed I played every single point in every single game anytime I was invited to go play you know volleyball whether it be beach or indoor I was like yeah let's do it like okay like no rest whatsoever and mind you I wasn't the best person to stretch after practice or you know ice or you know taking care of your body and just being able to know and understand the importance of rehab and prehab and stretching and icing I think is the biggest thing that I now as a coach and try to instill in my players you know how important it is to do bands and stretch and warm up your knees and warm up your um, hips before playing because that really helps elevate your game once you're warmed up and that's something that I didn't really start doing until I played professionally. And that's what really helped me compete at that level after playing how many years, you know? 
I was competing since I was age of 10, really. And to be able to understand that there is a time, even though that you're young, that you need to rest and just enjoy yourself and take care of your body, not just physically, but also what you eat, you know, what you're putting to your body and what kind of fuel you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't the best as in high school, you know, I was eating fruit snacks and, you know, a lot and a lot of Gatorade and not a lot of water, but now all I drink is water because I understand the importance of it. I think that knowing that at a young age is really going to help you, or at least I hope, help your body last you if you do end up competing at the next level, whether it be in college or professionally overseas. Because I feel like if I did that at a young age and I started doing that, I probably would still be competing to this day. But unfortunately, I'm not. But, you know, with that, I take with a lot of pride because I can now share my story with, you know, people like you or my players that I coach because now that I'm helping other people, I think that's much more rewarding and gratifying, if you will, to be able to do that instead of play. Yes. But you did have three successful seasons, right? In the Philippines. Yes. How many years did you play? Well, for two years, two years. And mm-hmm. you know, you got a lot of great experiences. And even though you're not playing now, you're still very active in coaching, helping mm-hmm. the younger athletes. So I know you're really busy and you know, we don't want to keep you too long, but is there anything that you would like to share or just pass on to not only younger athletes, but anyone? Is there a message that you want to share with others? There's no limit to what you can do. It's the only limit that you're going to put on yourself is what you think you can. And if you have a dream out there and you want to go ahead and achieve it, there's nothing that's stopping you except yourself. You know, you have, you might have your friends or your family um, that's telling you what to do, what to do, but it's up to you what you want to do. And that's how it's going to separate you from everyone else. Um, If you want to play at the next level, there's tons of opportunities to do so. It necessarily doesn't mean it needs to be D1, but there's tons of kids out there that end up playing overseas as well, and they went to a D2 and D3 school. So don't let that stereotype keep you down, and there's no reason why you can't go out there and achieve your dreams like I did. And my favorite quote till this day is, don't play for the people in the stands or the coaches or the people that pushed you play for the girl that fell in love with the sport because that's the one that matters most so I think that in itself is just something that I completely just took to heart really that's an excellent quote and I think you know sometimes you get distracted or off course with the passion for the game and I think for all of the successful athletes is they have that passion. They have that desire to play and have fun, right? Because a lot of times when there's more at stake, right? Collegiate, professional, you tend to lose some of that. I'm not saying not to compete or do all of that, but you just have to find that inner drive in you that will help you to, you know, perform at your optimal capabilities. So that's an excellent message. And for everybody, yes, I I encourage them to, Try to strive and push themselves, go out of their comfort zone, and you never know what you might achieve or how the story might play out as as we saw with your story, you know, just keeping open minds and sometimes you fall, you're right in the right place at the right time when doors open and you have new opportunities. So thank you so much, I mean, for sharing your story. Any, Any last words? What's I know you're doing a lot of coaching and things like that. Is that something that you want to continue doing in the future? Oh, yeah, definitely. Right now I'm at Jammers Volleyball Club with Coach Deb. And um, I'm definitely trying to help bring a little bit of a spark of the, I guess, new generation. Because at least in Hawaii, we're starting to see the slowly change of generations with coaches. Because the coaches that I that coached me are still around. And so now seeing the gradual change of, you know, passing that torch, if you will, um, to, you know, my generation is definitely going to be um, a huge game changer, at least in Hawaii volleyball. Um, And so that's what I'm really looking forward to. um, And I'm really excited to be at Jammers with Coach Deb. And I'm just 
looking forward to, you know, being able to hopefully get back into the gym soon and just, you know, go back to business and, you know, help these kids achieve their dreams. Yes. So keep up all the great work. I know you do great coaching and helping all of the younger kids. And we can really tell that you have that passion and desire to really help them in any shape or form that they need to not only be a good volleyball player, but also be a good person off the court. So thank you again so much for joining me. It was excellent catching up. And I know we haven't seen each other for probably a, a year or so, but yeah. Yeah, keep up the great work. Uh, keep working out, keep helping the younger athletes. And thank you again, Shauna. No, thank you for um, you know, having me. And I really appreciate it. And hopefully this does help you know, give any advice to those people who are struggling with injuries or you know, just need some advice in their life.